Yeah, like, I mean, when we first started with the podcast, like, uh, it, it was considered, oh, we're going to use this to keyword stuff. But when people need to realize that you can't use the, the alt text is built intentionally for screen readers to be able to read. If it is a purely decorative image, then you can just say it's a decorative image and just leave it at that. But if you're listening to a screen reader, which you can easily download on Chrome, there's a screen reader that you can use and test it out and listen to how it reads your website. And then I think that will help you understand how things are being read to someone who can't fully visually see. Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about helping you develop the skills you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, an inclusive brand coach, strategist, consultant, and someone with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's The Product Boss, hosted by Jacqueline Snyder, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Now, in this show, Jacqueline helps you take your physical product sales and strategy to the next level so you can create your dream life. Now, Jonathan and I often toy around with the idea of selling some type of physical product. And while the idea of doing that seems super dreamy, I know there's a whole lot of details and nuts and bolts involved with being able to do that well. So I know when it's time for us to get closer to thinking about that idea, I know I'm going to get a ton of insights and information from Jacqueline on the Product Boss podcast. And I've listened to a few episodes already and the advice is beneficial even if you're not selling a product-based business. Go and listen to the Product Boss wherever you get your podcasts. Today, May 18th, 2023, is the 12th Annual Global Accessibility Awareness Day. The goal of this celebration is to get more people talking, thinking, and learning about digital access and inclusion. So that's exactly what we're going to do today. And I'm thrilled to chat with Aaron Perkins, an accessibility educator and speaker and founder of Mabelie Q, where she helps make businesses more accessible. We can learn a ton from Erin, and she's got some super practical tips to help you make your brand more accessible to the disabled community and to show them that they belong with you. So without further ado, here's Erin. Hey, Erin. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me, Sonia. It's totally my pleasure. I'm really excited to dig in and about this topic. Before we do that, please tell the people who are you and what do you do? So I am Erin Perkin and I am the founder of Mabelie Q and a new platform called The Festival. And what I do is I tease business owners about accessibility throughout the whole business, not just your website. So we're talking about social media, we're talking about how you engage with your, like, hire your contractors, how you host events in person, online, all the good stuff that you normally wouldn't think about. Yes, all those things are super important. Because like you said, I think a lot of times people think, have a very narrow view of what some things are. 
Um, but we're going to dive into more mm-hmm. of that in a little bit. I, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page because I've heard people use the term accessibility. And I think mm-hmm. that people mean it in different ways sometimes. So I'd love to know what your definition is of it. And so that will help ground us for what we mean whenever we're saying it in this conversation today. So the intention of accessibility and mission, it can be like really technical in the terms of we're focusing on a product, a service, or an environment. Mm-hmm. And that should be designed and implemented in a way that impacts and can be used by many people, including those with disabilities. But I also want to look at it as like really opening it up to any part of your core business that you're thinking about it in a different way than what has always been taught to you. Okay. Okay. No, I think that's helpful because I think that a lot of times with regards to inclusion and inclusive marketing, we do need to sort of unlearn what we Mm -hmm. think we already know or what we've learned because it's not always what we think. And there's, of course, there's always more things to learn. And thankfully there's more and more educators who are out there who can, um, like you, who can, you know, tell us what it is that we need to do and what the reality of it is versus like, I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we just put on these little bandaid things and we think that we're like checking the box. I'm like, done, we've we've got it. Yeah, I did want to mention that, like, most people don't, they're like, well, who are you to teach this stuff? I I always forget to say this. I don't know why, but I am deaf blind. I hear with the help of my hearing aid and equipment, but I I still have my vision left, but I don't have full peripheral vision. So, like, I am, why I teach is because it is based on my life experiences. And it's not based on every person with a disability. I take my experiences and share that, but also show that my way is not the only way either. Absolutely. That's absolutely. But your lived experiences are very helpful and very Mm -hmm. important. So we're thankful that you're able to share with us today because it it will help give us a deeper degree of intimacy and insight into Mm -hmm. your world and people who are part of the community. Yeah. So what are some common ways that brands are not accessible that hinders people with disabilities? I think right now, social media is where I I feel like a lot of brands are like leaning into now. And that's where the accessibility really hinders a lot of people. Like you do your marketing videos, they're not captioned. You do your hashtags, they're not initial capitalization with each initial letter. You aren't adding alt text or alt description or image description to your post. So there's a lot of things that they're completely missing the mark on. And People say, well, your website's the first place to go. I'm going to say that that's not true. Social media is usually where I find somebody first, and then I move on to their website. But if the social media is not accessible, you've lost me. Got it. Okay. So, um, and I guess, like you said, as more and more social media platforms are leaning heavily into video, if they don't have like those captions and things like that, mm-hmm. I guess that does provide a big hindrance. I'm right. I, I usually don't wear my hearing aid. So if I'm looking at your video on social media, I'm skipping it. 
Got it. So I'm curious for you, do you have a preference? Because I know that there are some applications where, like YouTube, you can put um, the captions directly on you, the, the yeah. video, or you can have it uploaded to where somebody can press like closed captioning. Do you have a preference of how it, how it is? So I grew up with closed captioning and the other version is open caption. And for me, either way really works both. For some people I know that open caption, since it's um, embedded into the video, it can be a little bit harder for people to get used to it. Sometimes people get overwhelmed and like, oh my God, this is so much tough to read. I've been yeah. reading my entire life. So yeah. it's one of those things where I'm just like, this is easy for me to read. It distracts me. It's distracting when the captions are wrong and stuff. So it's really important to time it correctly and you are spelling correctly. Yeah. The context matters. Context completely matters. Yeah, it, it does. Somebody um, reached out to me and educated me a little bit on something that you said earlier about ha uh, hashtags mm -hmm. um, because I guess I didn't even realize that I was doing this and that it was more difficult to people if you're mm -hmm. using a hashtag and it has multiple words if everything is lowercase it's yeah. kind of it's it's more difficult so I think is there there's a term for the way it is where you're basically capitalizing the first letter of each word? So the couple ways it's called camel case okay. or initial capitalization hashtag. Yeah, because green readers actually can't read those hashtags. Like you oh. might say the computer is intelligent, but it's hard for them to decipher because there are some ways you put it and you're like, well, it could be this word or that. Yeah. Like for me, there's one blog that I love to read and it's called Call's Bad Craving. And to me, I'm thinking Call, because as a guy's name, Bad Craving. It sounds fantastic, and the food is amazing. But right. then I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, no, it's Call's Bad, which is related to oh. this city called Bad California. Okay. Like, that kind of takes it down a notch a little bit. That to be right. still amazing, but... Call bad craving sounds a lot more appealing to me. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get what you mean. Like it can, it can be confusing and we need a lot of clarity period for people, but it especially mm -hmm. becomes more important to people, you know, especially like you said, for screen readers, like they can't read them. So um, these are little mm -hmm. nuances that I think a lot of people probably aren't aware of and changing to use camel case, mm -hmm. like it doesn't really take any extra time either, right? Like it's just a matter of, no. oh, remembering that this is something You're that you need to do. You're typing the word out, so use that shift key. Yes, yes, no, totally get it. So um, I know there's been like a Supreme Court case in the U.S. that happened mm -hmm. a couple of years ago where the Supreme Court basically ruled against Domino's because uh, there was a gentleman who ruled against them, I mean, who sued them because their website wasn't, um, it wasn't readable, but screen readers weren't able to use them. Oh, okay, so I think this is where the issue was. The, I believe it was, he was trying to order pizza through the website on the phone. Okay. And they could not do it. And he tried multiple times and they could not do it because the website was not set up 
to be acceptable for him to be able to use because he's a blind user. So he has to use his way. And Domino tried to go, well, but the eight, the American District Act, the ADA, does not apply to us because it's on the website. And this is why I ended up all the way to the Supreme Court because they're saying it has to be, if you are providing a service in the space, it also has to be applicable to your website and your mobile devices. And that's why the guy won and got lost because times have changed since 19, like the early 19, where everything was just in a physical yes. space. And that's when the American Disability Act was founded in 1990. And that was more designed for a physical space. So they were trying to find yeah. So time is evolving. And I, as I spent time like looking into this case, it was just the thing that was clear to me is like, I think that sometimes people forget that people with various differences, mm-hmm. which include people with disabilities, they still like to, they're still people with the same wants, needs and desires. Right. Yeah. So um, yes. you know, just because you're blind doesn't mean that you don't like pizza, right? So Yeah. Or you don't like to look at like go on social media. Like you still want that connection. Right, or right. you don't like watching movies. You're still watching movies. You're just watching it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where I hope that people aren't doing and being inclusive in this way purely because the law says that you have to. Like they're doing it because they want to serve a broader group of customers and make right. them, you know, and demonstrate that they feel like they belong. But are there other laws that you know of or are aware of that impact businesses and brands that, um, from an accessibility standpoint, that they should be aware of? I feel like, so the, the American Disabilities Act, the Section 508, which includes um, website software and other digital tools. Okay. Then uh, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, WCD. It is not a law, but it's a guideline that is often referenced when the lawsuits and complaints and settlement. And let me see if I have something. No, I don't have it up. But um, there was in 2022, the number of lawsuits have like started. It has been continuing to skyrocket, especially yeah. during the pandemic from 2020 to 2023. So 2022 actually saw a drop. The companies are realizing, oh, I can't ignore the guidelines. I need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So these, those are the three main things that we need to be attentive to. I will say with the ADA Act, if providing reasonable accommodation impedes your ability to, it puts you in financial distress of your business, then there's a reason why, like, you don't, you're not violating the law, in a sense. Okay, okay. It's not legal advice, so please consult a lawyer. <laughs> right. On this, do the best you can. That's what I tell people. Do the best you can with the resources you have. There are so, so many resources. I am a resource for you. Like, use that. Don't just be like, oh, I don't want to do that. If you don't want to do it, fine. I Like, I don't want you part of my world then. Right. So what are some ways that you would 
Well, I guess before we even go back to that, what are the misconceptions that you would have that a lot of people have around accessibility that you would like to end? Like, do people think that being accessible, like, is it an expensive thing to do? Like, is it something that is very cost prohibitive? That's the one thing I want to show you to talk about is, so I just read a survey that they did and they surveyed over 3,000 companies. It came from the Job Accommodation Network and they surveyed over 3,000 employers. And of those, about 100 came back and said they had employees that requested accommodation. About 40%, 43% had accommodation requests that was a one-time fee of $300. Yeah. Drop it in bucket for most workers. Yeah. 7% had an annual cost of accessibility accommodation of about a little over 3000 Okay. That's still, but it's also a tight right off. Right. <laughs> Take from it what you will. Yeah. And not to mention that by being accessible, they're probably offsetting a number of those costs by mm-hmm. the additional sales that they would get by being accessible. Right. So exactly. it's that they're probably not even realizing. Yeah, it's like you, if you accommodate, you're more likely to retain that employee because you're making that effort. And they're like, oh, well, I feel good. I want to continue to work with this company. If those that kind of like push you away, you're just going to be like, well, you don't care about me. I'm not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. What? Take a big, slow, deep breath in through your nose. One two, three, four. Now slowly exhale and push that breath and all the stress and tension out of your body. Four, three, two, one. That calm you're feeling right now, that's what you get with HubSpot. They're all in one customer platform and places the chaos of all those random tools you're using now with a single powerful platform for all your teams. Get everyone in the same frequency and boost output. Take care of the tedious stuff with AI-powered tools, generate better leads for marketing, close more deals for sales, and earn more five-star reviews for service. So don't hold your breath. Enjoy the zen that HubSpot brings to growing your business. Visit HubSpot.com to learn more today. What are your best practices for brands with regards to accessibility? I know one of the things you said is do the best you can, which is very good. Like it's it's good to get people in that mentality, right? right? Yeah, it is. I mean, to me, I feel like the best thing is like start with captioning your content, all of your content. Focus on your so if you are really focused on your marketing, your marketing is where you need to be attentive to how you are wording things. You are writing things that I mean this has everything to do with inclusion. When you are marketing, think of, yes, you might have a niche, but you still need to think about in that niche, there are still going to be people with disabilities in that niche. They just might not say they have a disability or might not identify that they have a disability. So it's like, those are the things that you have to think about with like starting with your marketing. If you are a startup company, and it's a tech company. 
build accessibility in from the beginning. Because if you wait until five years down the road, yeah. it's going to cost you 30 times as much. Right. 30 times. So if, if it originally cost you like $20,000, it's going to cost you what? Like six, $6 million five years down the road? I mean, yeah. common sense. Yeah, no, no, I totally get you. Um, we're going to do it right the first time. And doing it right yeah. the first time means being inclusive from the very beginning, right? So, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. so I definitely love those best practices that you have. And you mentioned um, some things that you can do for accessible content, which is making sure that if you're using video, there's captions on the video. Mm-hmm. I believe making sure that you're using camel case for hashtags. Mm-hmm. What about for podcasts? Does that include making transcripts available as well too? Yes, transcripts. So one of the things is I also want people to think about it in this way. How easy is it for you to go listen to a podcast as a hearing person? How many clips does it usually take you? listen to your favorite podcast? Uh, Probably two. Yeah. It will take me six or seven clicks to get to the transcript. Oh, okay. So I want, like, I challenge people to be like, all right, my favorite example is the Super Bowl example. Okay. You, everybody hearing can come in, watch TV on the Super Bowl. They just have to click a button, maybe change the channel. That is it. Right. Me, as a deaf person, if I'm going to a friend's house, they might not have captions on. I have to turn it on, and then you have to figure out, because every TV is different. Yeah. But you have to turn on the caption. That's a million steps. And then, oh, they have an ASL performance. But because the network side is they're not good enough to be on the TV, like picture in picture, you have to watch it on a separate device. Yeah. So with that, you either have to log in to the network on your iPad, your tablet, or your laptop. And then if you don't have it, well, you're kind of out of luck because everybody decided to have their own, like, app and you got it. Oh, yeah, it's a pain. lot, yeah. And then, yeah, you got to, like, download it, you got to log in, and then you finally get to it, and then you got to find the video. And then finally, you can watch it. That's like a million steps. Right, right. Just to have equal access. That's not equal no, access. No, it's not. <laughs> that is like, no. Like, equal access would be having the ASL video on the same screen as the performance. Yeah. That's equal access. For sure. So um, one of the things that I talk about a lot around inclusive marketing is that customer experience is its inseparable twin. Right. Customer Mm -hmm. experience is the way that the people that you're serving interact with your brand. And that's how they know you're inclusive. So like you said, it's one thing to have a transcript on a podcast, but we need to make sure that we're thinking about the experience of how you access that transcript. So ideally, it should be the same number of clicks as just pressing play on the player. It should be very easy for people to be able to, and intuitive for people to act, to get to it. Exactly. It just got, like, you gotta, like, I want people to start thinking about how many steps it takes you to get access to the thing that you normally wouldn't need access to. Yeah. Because the reality is, you might not be born with a disability like I was, mm-hmm. but you will be disabled at one point. 
we all will have a disability at one point in your life, whether it's temporary or permanent. Mm-hmm. We all will. That's what I think people need to understand. And disability is not a dirty word. Right. It's just the word. Yeah. Well, I think and it goes back to empathy, which is, again, a core mm-hmm. foundation of inclusive marketing and marketing in general. Period. Like you have to be able to understand what it's like for the people that you're serving so that you can serve mm-hmm. them better. If you don't know, then you're not going to be able to do it. So we don't want people to ever use that excuse. Well, I didn't know. They have to take the time to develop the empathy so they can get the degree of customer intimacy so that, you know, they'll better be able to serve them. You talked a little bit about websites. Yeah. What are the things that people need to be doing with their websites to ensure that they're accessible? Oh, my, I think this is like a really common one. And I was extremely guilty of it because I have a background as a graphic designer, a okay. designer. So I could always control everything, but with a website, I thought like I couldn't. So what I would do is I would create a graphic with text overlay so I could control how my text looks like on anybody's website. Mm -hmm. But that's not readable by the screen reader because the text is embedded into the image and it's treated as an image. So you, if you're doing that, you have to have alt text that says what the words say on that graphic. Right. And I think that's the biggest, biggest mistake a lot of web designers make. Got it. Okay. So making sure that the way that the imagery and the contrast and the words is... Is it's legible. It can be read by the screen okay. reader by adding alt text. The alt text. So let's talk a little bit about alt text because I feel like people just kind of throw it up there, (laughs) right? And sometimes whenever I'm in other applications, whenever I'm writing for different publications, I see some, whenever we're pulling in pictures, Mm -hmm. there's alt text there, but I'm like, that doesn't really describe what this picture is. Yeah. Like, I mean, when we first started with alt text, like, uh, it it was considered, oh, we're going to use this to keyword stuff. Yeah. But when people need to realize that you can't use the, the alt text is there intentionally for screen readers to be able to read. Yeah. If it is a purely decorative image, then you can just say it's a decorative image and just leave it at that. Right. But if you're listening to a screen reader, which you can easily download on Chrome, there's a screen reader that you can use and test it out and listen to how it reads your website. Yeah. And then I think that will help you understand how things are being read to someone who can't fully visually see right. your website. Now, also keep in mind, just because someone says they're blind does not mean they're completely blind. There's all kinds of different vision of blindness. Like, I still have my central vision, but I have no peripheral vision. Okay. So I can't see, see things on the edge, on the edge. And so with, like, creating your website, you just have to think about those things in a way that you normally wouldn't think about. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's alt text, there's um, Mm -hmm. design. What about, um, because I've seen more and more um, publications do this, where they have blog, well, basically websites are full of text. Yeah. Is it necessary to have, audio versions of the text? Um, 
I don't think so because there are definitely apps that will allow you to use that, turn it into audio version. So I don't think it's really necessary if you have the ability to do it free and it doesn't take you any time at all. But other than that, I think the people who want to listen to tech, they usually have their own voice. They have a particular voice they'd rather listen to, but it might not be triggering to them. So we don't have to think about that. Okay. Okay. No, I, I understand. Um, all right. So where would you recommend, because we've covered a lot of ground today. And so if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, you know what, I want to take steps to be more accessible. What's the first thing that you would recommend that people do to get started? Like, let's do one, two, and three, just in case, like what's first, second, and third, just in case they're already doing one of these. (laughs) I feel like, well, one of the things I do have is a really awesome social media scorecard checklist. Like, I don't like to say accessibility is a checklist, but in a sense it is. So, like, this, like, really helps you kind of, like, take a closer look at what you're doing for your social media, which would be, like, basically checking how you're writing your captions, how you're doing your hashtag, um, looking at your colors and making sure that they're all easy to see and read and just thinking about things in a different way. The next thing is I would definitely like move into alt text and just like getting better at writing your alt text so Mm -hmm. that the screen reader can help people feel a little bit more included with the writing. And then the third thing is if you see someone not having captions on on the video, say something. Yeah. Okay. You mind captioning your video. Get, get, Get that in people's minds. Yeah, that's helpful. One one other quick question on that. Um, so Instagram stories, for instance, or anything with stories, do you recommend, like, is there a certain way that, or that, that might be in your checklist as well, that you have people captioned? Because I think the good news is Instagram does have like that automatic yeah. captioning tool, but then there's sometimes that there are people who are just writing, you know, kind of a summary. Do you have a, a, a best practice or a recommendation? Mine, if they do a summary, as long as they include everything they say. But don't rely on auto-caption okay. that, that you're just having the other person. Like, I have auto-caption on my phone with Shaw because the overlay and it just makes the pause for me right. to read. I would rather you put in the effort because I always have to edit my caption because yeah. it doesn't say anything. Right. And you'd be surprised at how much content. If it captions something wrong, then the content doesn't make sense and then you get confused. Okay. So we, we need to look at it as making sure that what you're saying is interpreted correctly yeah. in the caption. No, no, that, that's for sure. One other quick thing before we start to wrap up. What about live video, whether that's on social media or like on Zoom conferences or things like that, there are captioning tools that happen live as well, right? That are available? I mean, right now, like I do have, the, I'm using the Chrome feature to caption this, which is really nice. But Instagram, they're not there yet. So okay. I never like participated in a live because I don't care. 
if you have the budget, then bring on an interpreter. Okay. Because I think you can have up to four people okay. on an Instagram live. But think about whether or not you really need to do a live. Okay. Like, is a live necessary? Got it. Yeah. So it's not accessible, but you can do it like on team meetings. Like if there's like a Zoom mm-hmm. or some there are other some of these other types of they have yeah. that capability as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, definitely we should be something that was investigated because we have to remember: yeah. Are we including the people that we are intending to by the technology that we're embracing? Exactly. Okay. Um, can you tell me about a time where? A brand made you feel like you belonged? Hmm. I feel like when I, so this was like right when I started and I joined a Facebook group called, that was under Heather Crabtree. Okay. And her Facebook group was Boomy. It doesn't exist anymore. She had to close it down. Wow. But that was like, I have not found a community like that in a very long time because that community instantly I was like oh I feel like I belong like we're all different in different ways it was just like really unique in a sense and we were all connecting very well but it was all really authentic it it was just there was no exclusion because at the time there wasn't really too many live video everything was written everything was visual so it it would be easy for me to participate. Got it. No. Okay. And I think, so part of it also was that you said, were people very open about whatever made them Mm -hmm. different? And it seemed, it wasn't like, like you said, sometimes people just want to talk about it, like as a way to make them feel connected to others, Mm -hmm. but it was a more natural type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, I think authenticity rules the day always when it comes to inclusion. So Mm -hmm. that's super cool. Um, Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work? So they can find me at, on Instagram at Maybelie, M-A-B-E-L-Y underscore Q. And you can also check out my website with the same name, MaybelieQ.com. And also have, like, you'll learn about my social media scorecard and my platform where if you are committed to accessibility, you can join my platform called Successful with Success in accessible put together and you know and all that good stuff yeah awesome i will put all of it in the show notes so people can access Mm -hmm. it easily that scorecard sounds amazing so hopefully definitely want people to go and get that um do you have any parting words of wisdom for um marketers who want to make their business more accessible for people with disabilities my my sign off is always progress not perfection yeah because like you you, you're not going to get things right the first And I'm also human. I make mistakes. I, and I take the mistake I learn and I learn from it. Always a good thing to remember. It's not about perfection. So, um, yeah. and I think that gets a lot of people stuck. So thank you again mm-hmm. for stopping by. This has been really insightful and it's just been a joy talking with you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Aaron had so many great things to share and some very actionable tips you can start using today to get started making your brand more accessible. As a reminder, go and grab Aaron's social media accessibility scorecard. I'll drop a link to it in the show notes for you below. 
That's it for today's episode. If you like the show, I'd love it if you give it a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice. It really does help more people discover the show. And I like to think that that helps more people be more inclusive, which is absolutely a lovely thing. And if you'd like to dive deeper into the world of inclusion and marketing, join the inclusion and marketing newsletter. Each week I send you inclusion news, stories, things you should know, and more to help you make more of the people you serve feel like they belong with you. Go to inclusionandmarketing.com to get signed up. I'll drop a link to it in the show notes below so you can access it easily. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.